Hello, I'm James. Hi, I'm Jimmy. Welcome to A Job Done Well, the podcast about the world of work and how to improve the daily grind. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How have you been, James? Been up to? Very good. Thank you very much. Pancake la- night last night. I had some, some very posh, some very highbrow galettes, mate. No pancakes galettes. for me. Galettes. What on earth is that? That means they've got brown flour in them. Anyway. I, I, on the other hand, and I hate to admit this to you, I had vegan pancakes. Vegan pancakes. Night. Were they tasty, were they? They were right. Yeah. They're yeah. Not bad. Not yeah, bad. Better than lot. I thought they would be. I, but I think, I think it's a, a rule of life. If you smother anything in golden syrup, it's going to be all right. It'll taste it? all right. <laughs> My daughters think so. What are we talking about today, then? So today we are talking about reward and recognition. We're going to explore a couple of subjects. How you get the best from your staff and what's the difference between reward and recognition? Oh, well, let me have a go at that then. The difference between reward and recognition, because they're usually bundled up together. I think recognition is really straightforward. Recognition is after the event and it's a thank you or an acknowledgement for achievement. So that might be just as simple as a thank you or it might be a card or yep. it could actually be a payment of some time. Yep. But it is after the event. There's no expectation of it happening. Reward, on the other hand, tends to be something up front. It's usually an incentive. Very often something material might be a payment per thing that you do, might be a holiday, who knows, all sorts of ways of doing it. But the key thing I think there for this conversation is it's an upfront agreement. If you do this, then that will happen. Okay. And I, I, I think it is important to be distinct between them. I know we, uh, we use them very much in tandem. It's always reward and recognition. I remember back in the day when we worked for a credit card company yeah. and uh, every team had reward and recognition budgets, didn't they? They did. But I think for the, the, the dynamics between reward, i.e. upfront material, do this, you'll get that, I think has a different, very distinct dynamic and impact. I suppose the after the fact is building credit for the future. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. way of putting Whereas it. Whereas the reward is building credit for right now yeah the incentive is absolutely yeah it's almost set in stone isn't it sort of traditional common sense management so the first thing you do is you set yourself some smart goals and targets they have to be smart i've been on plenty of smart goal um coaching sessions um you need to make sure that they're aligned throughout the organization so usually you've got this very clever interlinking set of goals from the chief executive running all the way down to a person on the shop floor they're invariably linked to a clear incentive. So if you do this, you will get that payment. And the reason for that is, as everybody knows, money motivates. So what's not to like? I mean, it's obvious common sense, isn't it? And the thing is, James, you've actually said that with a, a relatively straight face. When Bear in mind that last week we were talking about being authentic. Now, you've just told me that, and I know you think that's oh, bullshit. It's absolutely bobbins. I am lying through my teeth. I think, though, you know, I have seen it done in, in lots of places, and I do think there is a really strong correlation between what you incentivize, what you reward, and the behaviors you'll get. Yeah. As you know, I used to run a sales organization, and it was very prevalent there. We, did, we gave everything away from iPads to holidays and everything yeah. in between, and it did create a real buzz it did drive direct behaviors i think the challenge always were because if you 
if you were incentivized slightly wrong behaviors, yeah. it was going to be fatal for you. And you were going to get completely the wrong outcomes than you wanted. Yeah, and the incentive is usually applied to an outcome, isn't it, rather yeah. than a behavior? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, and, and the trouble is the behaviors that you then get are not always the ones that, that you want. Outcomes you know. at any means. Yeah, and, and that's how people behave. They didn't care about the impact on others, even the customers, the organization. You want to win at all costs. As somebody who is inherently uh, competitive, you, yeah. uh, one great example of this was with the sales leadership team, we did a back to the floor event where yeah. we went and actually answered sales calls and being competitive, I wanted to win. And I want to do the most sales. And sure enough... You did the most sales. The most sales. Were they, hang on, were they strictly legal sales? Well, legal is a strong word, James. They were all disqualified and, and I ended up losing because when they listened to the calls, they, I wasn't selling in the right way. So I was, but I wasn't bothered about the way, the method, yeah. the behavior. I was just bothered about the outcome. The outcome, and the outcome was selling and I, and I wanted to win. And it's like the other side of that competition is we we also used league tables in a number of the operations yeah. I've worked in. And the people who are at the top of the league tables love them and the people at the bottom don't. So uh-huh. I do think they kind of work like magic in terms of driving behaviours, but they're often going to drive the wrong behaviour. It's almost a steroid of management, isn't it? It's the thing it you is. give people to improve performance. Yeah. That's, that's a really good analogy because you get the, you know, you get the, the, the kind of fitness and the bulk and the but yeah, you yeah, drive yourself again mental. <laughs> a liver failure, yeah. spots, God knows what else. Exactly. Yeah. So where have you seen it done though? So my early experience was in manufacturing and although there are I mean, clearly targets, but at an individual level on the shop floor, people had to work together. So it wasn't nearly so incentive driven. Um, I've seen it done, I've actually seen it done quite well. I worked in retail for a while. I worked for one of the big multiple supermarkets. And they had two rather clever incentives. So this was a, a head office was in a big, it was in a city centre location and parking was an absolute nightmare. And they had this thing called the golden cones. It was a golden traffic cone. All right. Yeah. And what they did was for the person at head office who was voted by the stores to have done the most useful thing to help the stores out that week. Yeah. They awarded the golden cone. So you get to park by the front door for... Good behaviour, yeah, yeah, yeah. which, yeah, it wasn't financial and it was a no, bit no. of kudos, but it was really quite clever. And it meant you didn't have to get to work by six o'clock to in the morning to find a parking space. The other thing they did, which was also quite clever, was the um, chief executive's Jaguar. So all the guys in stores, they had the opportunity to promote a line. So maybe they were promoting what rice pudding or maybe they were promoting raisins or whatever the hell it was. But for the guys who got the highest uplifting sales in any particular week, yeah. they'd get the CEO's Jaguar for that week. And that also was quite clever because there's no way these guys were going to be driving around in a Jaguar any other way. But again, it was kudos as much as anything else. So I think they were quite clever incentives. But on the whole, I think particularly in the service industry where it's individuals and they are targeted with an incentive, it just drives a whole host of poor behaviour. So, you're the intellectual Absolutely. on this podcast. I'm glad tell you us, noticed. Yeah, tell us, what does, what, what does the research say about rewarding people's behaviour and incentivizing outcomes? Well, there are two quite interesting studies which were done. One was done by a chap called Sam Glucksberg in the 1960s. 
and there's a problem. It's a little sort of logic problem called the candle problem. So the idea yeah. is you give somebody a box and in that box they've got a candle and some tacks and they've got to stick the candle to the wall and light the candle and the time to see how quickly they do it. And most people start off by trying to melt some wax and then sticking yeah. that or trying to tack the candle to the wall. But after a while, they make the mental leap and they realize, well, actually, what I need to do is the box that it all came in is part of the solution. Attack the box to the wall, use it as a tray, and then light the candle. So that's... I have to be honest, when I was given that, that task, I, I gave up. No, did you? I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out in the first minute. That's it. So I'm bored with that. But the point was, it needs a little mental leap. Yes. Yep. So what uh, this psychologist did was he incentivized people. And okay. the winner would get $25 for doing it in the quickest time. Which back in the 60s, that had been a few quid. Yeah, absolutely. It was, yeah, chunk of change. But what he found was he had two groups. Those who were incentivized and those yeah. who weren't. The guys who weren't incentivized, they took about seven minutes on average to do it. The guys who were incentivized right. took 11 minutes. So the actual incentive made the performance worse. That's that, interesting. Yeah, it? it is. And the reason why is because what the incentive does is it focuses your behavior, absolutely gets you focused on the task. Yeah, yeah. But you're so focused, you don't look outside the, sorry, outside the box, so to speak. So you're very you clever, yeah? You didn't, you didn't actually want to do that no, one. I couldn't, couldn't help myself. I couldn't help myself. So incentives work really well in a sort of piecework environment. Yeah. But anything that involves a modicum or having to think about it, it's actually counterproductive. Yeah, and, and, and to be honest, um, if I think back to some of the sales incentives that we ran, people became incredibly focused and quite stressed. And they, they became, because they really wanted the round of world holiday, whatever yeah, yeah. it was. And to that level of stress where you're not doing your best work anymore. Yes. Yeah, so they, I, can, I can really believe that. Yeah, and if you think about it, I mean, if you're selling insurance or whatever it might yeah, yeah. be, actually, it's quite a creative process. You've got to think about what the different yeah. options are. So there's the first bit. Okay. The other bit, which is quite interesting, also, I think probably in the 1970s, some psychologists gave some nursery children some fancy felt-tip pens, the sort of thing that was a bit of a thing in the 1970s. I bet you had them, didn't you? I have still got my 68-piece Crayola colour set. I can tell you, I'm very proud of it. Such a key. Yeah. But what they did was they gave the kids some crayon and they asked them to draw a picture. And half the kids, they incentivized. They said, if you, draw, if you draw this picture, yeah. then I'll give you a reward, you know, a little good worker badge or whatever the hell it was that the kids wanted. And the other half, they didn't. And what they discovered was that, so this is with the sort of the before the event yeah. incentive. What they discovered is that when they came back two weeks later and laid the crayons out again, the kids that were given the incentive weren't the least bit interested in doing any drawing, whereas the kids which weren't incentivized carried on drawing. So it's almost the fact that they gave them this incentive just killed any intrinsic motivation they had altogether. Yeah, I can, I can well believe that because I do think that rewards are often a little bit like drugs. Uh, they really you know, give you a real short-term hit in terms of the behaviors that quickly disappears and then you need more of the the drug to fuel your behavior otherwise you're not going to bother and so i do think it has those real reward has that those real highs and lows yeah i mean well got kids 
if you're going to incentivize your kids, yeah, it's yeah. one thing to incentivize them to tidy their bedrooms because they ain't going to do it any other way. Have you, done, have you tried my my hint, which what was, was like, tell, go in there and say, shit, we've been burgled. Yeah, I can, I can imagine the look I'd get of my daughter if I did that. Um, and then there are other things which you want your kids to do, like, yeah. for example, revise for their exams. But if you incentivize a child on how many exams they pass, you can be sure as hell they're not going to pick up a book after they've, revi- they've finished revising. Yeah, no, it's a, a fair, fair point. And going back away, I was incentivized to pass my, my exams when I was at school. Yeah, right. And my dad offered me an incentive. I did really well. And he reneged on the incentive. Oh, did he? Yeah. And I'm not saying it's the reason, but I never did as well at exams ever again. Just not really interested. No, lost, lost, lost. That's my focus on them, really. So that's incentives at a, I suppose, a shop floor, task-based level. But what about, you know, big bonuses and management incentives? What's your thinking on that? Yeah, so I, I think we, you know, lots of organisations give sort of annual bonuses. They're often, you know, cash and stuff like that. Yeah. And the more senior you are, the more money you get, yeah. all that sort of stuff. My personal experience, uh-huh. I think those are really nice for five minutes. You know, you get the money... You get the rating, you get the change in your bank account. And you feel really good about that. And then the next day you've forgotten about it. Whereas what frequently happens is you don't don't quite get the rating you think you deserved. You don't quite get the reward that, you know, you you think you deserved. And you're pissed off about it for for months afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, the hangover lasts uh, a lot, lot longer. And we won't mention their name, but I know a certain friend of ours next time we see him we'll mention the fact that i never gave him any long-term incentives at one point when we worked together 10 years ago people don't forget yeah you know. but the thing that's supposed to motivate you actually demotivates yeah. you and i think it also becomes an entitlement because you get so used to having your bonus every year you think it's your right to have it i don't believe that these sorts of incentives unlock any discretionary out effort at all i think people they either Treat as an entitlement, and therefore they're not going to make any extra effort. Or the other way of looking at it, which I always used to think, is they're often based on the overall organisation's performance. And how how much can you, in one of twenty thousand people, how much can you really make a difference to it? When we were working in an insurance company, yeah. you can't influence the weather. No. And every year there were floods, and that was the incentive down the the, the pan or an amount of it. So if you couple up the entitlement with can I really make a difference to it I reckon organisations across the world are spending literally millions of pounds and not really motivating people yeah because the minute it goes away you demotivate people it's interesting the company that I work for which I think was probably had the best motivated staff they pretty much took the incentive baked it into people's base salary everyone was very well paid but there wasn't that expectation. And actually, because of that, everyone was far more motivated. Oh, what about um, other downsides then? Anything that occurs to you? So I think, yeah, as as we touched on it, it, it does encourage cheating. Um, you know, and, and I do think it stops cooperation. I, I think you become very insular in what you're thinking about. You don't really think about how you can help other people. It's about me making sales. It's about my team achieving stuff. It's not about 
the overall organisation. Uh, I think that's a really good point. I mean, the whole point of having an organisation is to get teamwork and collaboration, but particularly in situations where you've got a league table. If you've got a league table of sales performance, say, why the hell would I, if I'm sitting at the top, share with other people what my top tips are? And that's the ethos of how you want people to improve. You want the best person to figure out the best way of doing things and share it with everyone. You're not going to do that if you're in a league table, are you? No, absolutely. So not only does it run the risk of demotivating you, but actually it probably reduces performance anyway. So what does motivate you, James? Well, what motivates me? Well, there's a dark thought. Um, I remember on one occasion, very simple, I worked for an organisation and the chief executive and the chief operating officer always used to say, hello, James, when they saw me walking in the corridor. Now, they might have thought I was some right pleb, but the fact they always said hello just made me feel that I was part of the organisation yeah. and that I wanted to be there. Really motivational. The other thing which someone, something I did, was I once gave somebody a thank you card for a piece of work they'd done. Yeah. Anyway, when we moved out, we were in cubes, and when we moved out of the cubes some two years later, she still had the thank you card yeah. pinned to the side of her desk. I, I bet. I've, I've got a load of rack of thank you cards stashed in my office that people have given me in the past. Yeah, it doesn't cost anything, no. but yeah, hugely motivational. And then the other one, interesting story. I read a story about baseball. Now, I have to admit, right. I'm not a big fan. I don't know much about baseball. You don't know much about That's any sport. Let's be you, know, when, you know, when I was growing up, I, it was always a really strong belief where I grew up is if someone didn't know about sport, yeah. didn't like sport, you didn't trust them. Well, it was yeah, there was a correlation between trust, trust and, and, and yeah, sport. Yeah, very wise. You should, um, yeah, should have listened to your friends. <laughs> so... Baseball, there was this baseball match. Yeah. And normally if you go to a baseball match, there's loads of shouting and cheering and yeah. loads going on. But there were these guys at this baseball match and um, it was just dreadfully quiet. Nobody was getting excited about the match at all. And after a while, they twigged on why. And what it was, was baseball's quite complicated, the scoring. Yeah. Yeah. And the scoreboard had gone down. And because the scoreboard oh, had yeah. gone down, nobody knew how they were doing. And because nobody knew how they were doing, no one was getting excited about it. Yeah. So I do think numbers are really important. Yeah. I had a situation once. I was on a night shift in Grimsby, of all places. We were making chicken curry. You can imagine, right? This is not a sophisticated place. But everybody was absolutely fired up and going for it. Chicken curry coming out of our ears. Why? Because we were going to beat the shift record. And everybody knew we were going to beat the shift record. And constant debates about how many tons we'd made just so that we could beat the record. Well, I do think that's a great point about displaying progress is is something i always think is important whenever i go into any business any yeah. operation i always look around and see what is it they're measuring and how they're displaying it and how much interest does it get it, it does it does give you a bit of the kind of it's like the lifeblood of an organization yeah often. but quite often you have these boards up and they don't show how well we're doing they no. show how badly we're doing so yeah so a few things for me in terms of motivation I do think your point about recognition, I, I think that's, that is massively underplayed. We talked a lot about reward. Yeah. The recognition of saying that you've done well or thanking people, I think it makes you feel makes you feel valued and it makes you feel like you're making a difference. From my uh, Just a question. How many yeah. bosses have you had who never, ever once said, good job? I bet you can think of some, can't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Just dreadful. And, and why and didn't you do this instead of... You did a good job there. Yeah, and I think if you think about the those that really motivated you versus didn't, 
that will be one of the things that will be common. Uh -huh. and, and it wasn't just from my boss. In fact, it often wasn't from my boss and it was from the teams uh, okay. I was working with. And it's like doing this, this podcast. We've had quite a few messages about people enjoying it and getting something from them. Yeah, and that's interesting though. So it's almost, well, not almost, it's more powerful if somebody who is working for you yeah. tells you they think you're doing a good job than if your boss tells well, you I, you're doing I, a good to job. Well, to me, I think I always tried to think I was providing a service, creating an environment for people around me. So if they said thank you or, or recognize something I did, that did, it did always make. Yeah, they could have been prize suck-ups though, couldn't they? You were one of them, James, and you've <laughs> never been accused of being a prize suck-up, that's for sure. So I think creating the right environment for people to be successful is important. And for me personally, I wanted to be left alone and have a bit of autonomy. Yeah. That independence always meant that I was trusted to do a, a good job. So I think those are some of the things that really matter to me. The other thing I think money was a, often is talked about as a big motivator. I Personally, and it's easy to say, I... I was motivated by money only in so much as I equated that to the thank you, to the well done. Yeah. So I had to, because that's yeah. what people were giving me. So if I got a pay rise, if I got a bonus, it wasn't the number. It was the fact that that was saying you've done well. I remember. Yeah, but this, that was this thing was set yeah. up. Yeah, it was yeah. The, you had done well was because they gave you the money rather than you had done well and they gave you I don't know, a bunch of flowers almost. Yeah. yeah. And actually, I suppose it all comes down to, well, sorry, dating the bleeding obvious, but it's all about motivation, isn't it? Yeah. And there is a really good book that if anybody's listened to this hasn't read or listened to, it's called Drive by an American guy called Dan Pink. And in that book, he talks about three things. He's had a good look at, at what motivates people, but he talks about three things, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Now, we talk about purpose a lot, but are you doing something that's worthwhile? Autonomy, are you giving your heads? As you've said, that's important to you. And mastery, do I get the opportunity to really get good at this thing? And one of the examples Dan Pink gives is he talks about Microsoft Encarta versus Wikipedia. And when you think about it, to start off with, you know, you've got Microsoft, which has got a huge number of resources, loads of money, and they want to build a internet encyclopedia. And then you've also got Wikipedia, which is a bunch of volunteers doing it off the sides of their desk. And you'd have thought, you know, on face value, well, obviously Microsoft are going to win this race, but of course you can't get in Carter anymore. No. Wikipedia wiped the floor with them. So it's just those three things, you know, people will go for miles and miles and miles if you give them that opportunity to um, do something useful and show that they can do it. So where does that take us then in conclusion? Recon we've talked about recognition of a job done well you want to know you're doing well you want to know that you feel valued yeah the other thing is if you are going to incentivize someone rewards they're just like drugs yeah you will get a short-term hit and high but over the long term they can be really destructive and be really careful what you're incentivizing because it's quite possible that rewards will drive cheating case in point yeah. here and often will, will drive a lack of cooperation between people and teams. And actually, when it comes down to motivation, which of course is what all this reward and recognition is about, purpose is all important. Are people doing something that they think is worthwhile? And can you give people their heads? Because if you give them their head, they will run through walls for you. And I think to Dan Pink's points about you know, motivation, think about how we are motivating people where well, if we didn't demotivate them so much 
think about the environment we're creating for them, quite often that environment will be demotivating. We wouldn't obsess so much about reward if, if we weren't getting it wrong in the first place. So, there you go. I think that's that. Well, I hope you've uh, enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to talk to uh, James and I about you know, reward and recognition and how you use it, and some of the pitfalls in a bit more detail, feel free to get in touch. If you've got any questions, any comments, you can get in touch with us at jimmy at a jobdonewell.com or james at jobdonewell.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Cheers now. If you'd like to find out more about how James and I can help your business, then have a look at our website, jobdonewell.com.